This was a concerning headline this morning, given where we work. It reads, How much longer will new vehicles come with AM-FM radios? That article was written by musicologist Alan Cross, who joined us live to discuss, and you won't believe some of the other potential changes that could be coming to your dashboard. Big weekend in sports, the Winnipeg Jets won an important game, and the Masters yielded all kinds of drama at Augusta National. The forecast this week for Southern Manitoba is amazing. What does it mean for flood season and what could be coming up from North Dakota? And with all that stuff about AM, FM radios, what's something you'd hate to see go away? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back on Tuesday. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, April 10th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off today. Yes, we are live on this Easter Monday. Welcome and welcome back, Mr. Greg, after a couple of days off last week. Five days off in a row. I almost didn't know what to do with myself, <laughs> but I did find things. Yeah. Don't worry. And if I was off today, I'd find plenty to do, especially with these spectacular temperatures. What a wonderful weekend. Great opportunity to get out, uh, well, at least into the garage and, and maybe into your driveway. Not so much into the yard. Still a ton of snow in my backyard, my front yard, and I had to work a little bit. I guess it was on Saturday to uh, try and get rid of the standing water on my front street. Oh. That catch basin was all frozen up. So my neighbor Kenny and I got out there with the pickaxe and the shovels and the crowbars. And we had ourselves a little bit of a science experiment. Uh, <laughs> the Amphibex was not available to clear up <laughs> things on uh, our front street this weekend. So it was good old muscles and uh, people power got the water flowing. It's all gone now. Really? Yeah. You got her done? Got her done. Oh, yeah. well, good for you. How I needed a nap after. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I can't believe how nice it was over the weekend. And I felt sort of guilty about it yesterday because I, I ran out to the store. I needed food. <clears throat> so I needed to go to the grocery store. And I, I thought, oh, my God, it's so beautiful out here. But I had to race back home so I could continue to watch the Masters. That's That's all I did for the last three days was just stay in and watch golf. Uh, Saturday, the decision was kind of made for me to stop watching it when they called it because they got 51 millimeters of rain on Saturday uh, when they called it, I think around 3 o'clock or 3.15. But uh, that's pretty much all I did this weekend. And I, like I said, I sort of felt ashamed, but not really. No. Very relaxing. It was really nice to see. Uh, yesterday was fun because with the suspension of play on Saturday, that third round started nice and early yesterday morning. So essentially the Masters was on all day yep. yesterday, except for maybe a, about a 90-minute break as the players got recharged and got ready to head back out onto the course for the beginning of the fourth round. We watched a ton of golf at my house this weekend as well. And uh, the Masters, you know, if you ignore some of the history, <laughs> some of what's connected to Augusta National, uh, we just, I, I try not to be ignorant to too many things in this world, but you sort of have to push history aside somewhat to enjoy the masters as intended and uh man oh man what a what a what an entertaining sunday of golf and i feel sorry for brooks kepka uh he just uh, self-destructed yesterday but 
it was predictable to a certain extent. He didn't make the cut last year. And uh, well, that series full swing really gave us some insight into Brooks Kepka. And I, I said to Jackie, I said, I hate to say this because she was cheering for him. I said, uh, he's probably going to blow this. <laughs> She's, why do you say that? Well, let's take a pause. Let's watch the Brooks Kepka <laughs> episode on full swing on Netflix. And she goes, oh, yeah, he's not very confident, is he? And I go, for a guy that's as good as what he does, he's not very confident, in particular when it comes to his putting. So it was fascinating uh, sociological, psychological study yesterday. Yeah, it was it was a roller coaster all weekend, not just for the, the actual golf, but the weather contrast as well. Like Thursday, Friday, it was around 30 degrees Celsius. Crazy. And then on Saturday, I think it maxed out around nine from what I could tell when, it, when they finally called it, it was raining at nine degrees. And it was an interesting contrast between their weather and Winnipeg's weather because on Friday we were around, what, one degree and they were around 30. And then on Saturday, pretty sure we got up to like eight degrees on Saturday and they were nine. <laughs> so that's a wild shift. Uh, so it was it was entertaining or interesting to see them deal with their different weather challenges. And then, of course, the the various storylines that were at play with the golf and getting to and also just getting uh, while I was watching the, the 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 tournament, I was looking up some of the weird quirks about Augusta National. Like you're not if you're as a patron, first of all, you can't call them fans. No. Or spectators. And it's not the They're galleries. The patrons. The yeah. patrons. But uh, if you can't whether you can't wear your hat backwards, for example, as a patron there, or, or even a player. Ricky Fowler got slapped on the wrist once for turning his hat around. But uh, that golf course is closed during the summer. I had no idea. You told me that yesterday in a text conversation, and I subsequently looked up some things online and the, some of the satellite photos that I came across back from 2020. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a pasture in the summer, except for the greens, which are brilliantly green, I guess, all year round. But uh, yeah, the construct of the course and and just what they do in terms of maintenance over the summer, I had no idea. That was a fascinating piece of trivia. So we'll have more sports chat at eight thirty five. Christian Amell, the host of the CJOB Sports Show, will join us live. And of course, speaking of sports. Winnipeg Jets back in action tonight. <sighs> Saturday, what a stressful game. <laughs> the Jets come up big. They weren't outstanding in the first period. It was, was a scoreless tie after after one period, but the Jets really, you know, really put their uh, pedal to the metal on on uh, Saturday night in the second and the third period. They, I thought they played exactly the way they need to play. And if they play that way tonight, barring some sort of crazy, another crazy performance, I'm assuming we're going to see James Reimer in net for San Jose tonight. Uh, but the, if the Jets do what they did Saturday, and to a great extent what they did for the most part on, on Wednesday, even though they lost to Calgary, uh, Wednesday night, uh, they should be one step closer to securing that uh, Western Conference playoff spot. A question of the day that we asked Thursday morning, by the way. So as of Thursday morning, the Winnipeg Jets were tied with Calgary for that last playoff spot in the West. Where do you rate their chances? 19% said my optimism is fading. 13% said they can do this. We'll get there. Another 13% said I'm nervous. And 55% said I have lost the faith. Oof. So I'd be curious to know what the result would be right now asking that question because they are one point 
They ahead, are ahead of Calgary, right? They are. Calgary lost in a shootout to Vancouver on Saturday night. Vancouver was actually up 2 nothing in that game. And of course, Calgary stormed back to tie it. Uh, I don't often watch full games that involve teams other than the Jets, but I watched pretty much that entire game on Saturday night after the Jets game between Calgary and Vancouver. So, yeah, so the Jets are sitting, as you said, one point ahead of uh, Calgary. Calgary has two games left. The Jets have three games, including tonight. Uh, tonight, Calgary and Nashville face one another. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that that will probably, that will decide prop more or less which one of those two are, are going to remain alive for the next couple of days, at least in, in terms of a, a battle with the Jets for that eighth and final spot in the West. As the weather gets warmer and the days get longer, we wanted to check in on how things are going during the holy month of Ramadan, which includes fasting from sunup to sundown and is marked by roughly 1.6 billion Muslims around the world. One of our friends is marking this month. Psychologist Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman joins us now live on The Start. Raymond, good morning to you, sir. Good morning to you, too. So how are how are you doing so far? It started uh, around March 22nd, I think. Um, yeah. How's it going so far? Actually, pretty good. Uh, much easier than last year. The day is shorter. Uh, I'm sure that had something to do with it, but I was probably also more invested in a little bit of preparation this year than I was last year. So I'm sure that made it a bit easier too. When was Ramadan last year? If you remind us, uh, Raymond, that that would uh, mean that the, the days are shorter or this time around. Um, so it's, it, Ramadan begins 10 days earlier every year because it goes by a lunar calendar, which shifts gradually over time. So it would have been 10 days later. So um, it means that when we first started breaking our fast this year, it was at an earlier time. And, and it doesn't feel like a lot. Like it's, you know, about... I think about 20 minutes or so, but it, it makes a difference, I think, at the at the end of the day, literally. Well, Raymond, what, and Greg and I were sort of just wondering about this, so what happens for for Muslims who might be in like an, like sort of an extreme place in the world where maybe Ramadan falls during a time where there's either, say, no sunlight for a, a few weeks or, or perhaps no sundown? Like, say you're somewhere way up north. Yeah, the exercise is really just meant to be you know, a learning experience. It's not meant to be punitive. And so for people who live in those extreme regions, uh, the ruling is that you're actually supposed to go by the most reasonable day closest to you. Um, and that's certainly happened here, you know, in Canada as we've, as we've moved into longer parts of the day. And it's been an area of debate, I think, within some Muslims where they're like, well, we need to move to the most reasonable day because uh, the length of the day is too excessive. Um, so, you know, so certainly a few years ago when we were in the middle of summer, it, it did feel quite long, um, but that was a common discussion. But as it's gotten shorter, I think people have just let that piece go uh, for this year. So uh, getting to know you over the last several years as we, we have, you've got a great sense of humor overall, and you've shared some fun stuff with us about Ramadan. Well, is, is that an important element of, of going through and, and, and getting through? I'll put that in quotation marks. Uh, you know, it's an observance, but also a, a celebration of getting through this month. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think... I think humor helps with it, with anything, but but I think ultimately it's it's mind over body. You know, I think a lot of people feel like this is not an attainable thing. Like oh, I could never do that. Um, but actually, human beings do a lot of things. 
Um, you know, we, we, we also say those things about being able to overcome difficulties with mental health, you know, about setting up challenges. And that's ultimately what this month is about. You know, it's about a delay of gratification and a tolerance of distress, which as a psychologist for me, I mean, those are key principles in overcoming a lot of challenges when it comes to mental health as well, too. You know, it's a gradual learning to overcome some of those primary impulses and to gain a sense of empathy for those people who don't have anything uh, or who may have be, you know, less resourced because charity becomes a big part of this month. So when you feel in the pain a little bit, you know, you're more likely to give at the end of the month. And Ramadan, of course, is a time of reflection. Uh, so you already shared some of the things on your mind, but have you learned anything or did you go into to this year's Ramadan with a, sort of a specific uh, target or goal on something you wanted to, to make sure you remained focused on? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting. You don't always start off with a specific idea, but I mean, it certainly makes you more mindful. You know, as much as we do this every year, it's interesting. Human beings forget our lessons very easily. And for me, it's just the ability to focus on what's important. And, you know, sometimes um, the things that we do focus on are sometimes fleeting. And you begin to recognize the more important things like family and most importantly, people. Uh, It's easy to get caught up in a lot of the surface level stuff and you recognize over time as you go through this month uh, the ultimate importance is how we engage with each other and so for me that's that's always the real not always a realization but certainly the realization this month uh, Raymond uh, for for a lot of folks uh, they they have just uh, you know if they're uh practicing Christians. They may have just come through Lent, which ended on, mm. on Thursday. And I, I'm always fascinated, fascinated is how similar our, our, our religions around the world can be at times when it, when it comes to certain observations. Well, actually also with Passover as well too, there's some fasting. This, this is, this is the second time, second year in a row where all three monotheistic faiths have celebrated some form of fasting or these three major holidays at the same time. It only happens three times in a century. So we've got two out of the three happening, you know, last year and this year. There is a similarity because they come from the same source. Um, so, you know, there was Judaism and then when Christ showed up, then, you know, the people who followed him converted and moved over into Christianity. And then there was Muhammad. And, you know, actually the interesting thing is Muhammad's uh, coming was actually foretold in the Bible. People don't know that. And so when he showed up, then the people who followed him changed that way. But ultimately, for Muslims, Jews, Christians, and Muslims are all considered what they call people of the book. So that's where the similarity comes from, because it is ultimately, at the end of the day, one long story for a group of people. And Raymond, before we let you go, just remind us what follows Ramadan. Eid, which is a nice big celebration uh, the equivalent of Christmas, um, something that I've been working along with other holidays to have acknowledged and celebrated um, by the city and the province. And um, that will be a beautiful time to spend time with family uh, and friends and celebrate a very big accomplishment. Have you already planned your feast? 
<laughs> that happens every day. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Now I know why Brett and uh, Raymond get, get along so well. They, they both uh, like to think about food a lot. And of course, Passover goes through until Thursday. Thanks for the reminder on that, Raymond. Always great to get some time with you, my friend. Thanks for having me. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman is a clinical psychologist, and he mentioned uh, the Celebrate Everything initiative, and you can learn more about that at winlove.ca for Winnipeg Love. How much longer will new vehicles come with AM, FM radios? That story from musicologist Alan Cross and We're hoping to speak with him a bit later on this morning. And you can, of course, read that story at cjob.com. But we wanted to talk about that, use that as the inspiration for our discussion. What is something tangible in your life, whether it's a piece of technology or just something that you consider like an institution in your life, some sort of tangible thing that you'd hate to see go away? 204-780-6868 for a chance to win some tickets to see Krista Berg at the Centennial Concert Hall on Saturday, April 29th. And Mackling, why don't we start with you? Because you had a couple of good ones. I had initially suggested a piece of technology, but but, uh, you went one better and sort of opened the door for a wider chat. Newspaper. As efficient as it is to get magazines and newspapers online and to scour websites of certain news organizations in particular, I always feel like I'm missing something. And I never trust, even in my Twitter timeline in particular, that I'm getting the very latest information. Now, I know that seems sort of <laughs> contravening the the logic here, but... I, when it comes to when it comes to newspaper, I like I like to hold it. I like to be able to see <laughs> all the dimensions and make sure shake it, make sure no extra information you know isn't falling out, so to speak. And uh, on on the on the website, as good as they are for the newspapers, I just feel like I'm not seeing everything that I want to see. Yeah. That's fair, and there there's something about that experience of holding it in your hand and just reading it. I I said I. I try to stay up on the news and whatnot, but eventually I just got to put my phone down because my brain hurts and my eyes hurt from staring at a screen for too long. And I actually, on the subject of, you mentioned magazines, I did lose something uh, in recent, I guess it was last year already. I had a subscription to Entertainment Weekly and there are just, there are myriad websites on pop culture stuff, but having that magazine in my hand which it was called Entertainment Weekly. It became a monthly, but still I looked forward to getting that magazine in the mail and sit down and read it and relax. Uh, so yeah, I was sad to see that go. Poitras, what about you? Uh, Why? Well, I don't know, pen and paper. I know the technology, but you know, that's one thing that um, I still like use. Like when I'm doing my, you know, my budgeting for the month, you know, how much money I have to spend, you know, where, you know, when am I going to have this bill paid off? I, I still do it all in multiplication, subtraction, I do that all on on paper. I don't I don't put it through a calculator or anything like that. I uh, I fill up whole pages with calculations, and my wife always kind of makes fun of me for that. But um, but that's just the way I do it. And then it's like funny enough, my twin brother does it the exact same way, and we don't even like we've never communicated that that's how we do it. But like Shane will have all these uh, sheets of, of of paper and all of his calculations and his budgeting and money and all that sort of thing, and he just does it the exact same way as I do, and it's like a weird twin thing. But uh, yeah, that's that's something for me. I I, I like I, I you know sometimes it, it's sort of increasingly frustrating for me. Like there's a lot 
I find a lot of things are a lot more simplistic when it's like just sort of, you know, pen and paper or, or, or with paper. And there's sort of like this push to like make things um, easier through technology, like, oh, just, uh, you know, put a digital signature on this and, and, and ship it out here and fill in this stuff on the website and then send it in. And it's like, why don't I just write this down, scan it, and then send it to you on a PDF? And I understand that that's a lot more technologically advanced than like a, a fax machine or something like that. But I, I, I found it easier. Like I was had to renew my dad's lease at his apartment and they're like, we'll send you this and this information and do the signature and fill this information. It says, why don't I just print this off, write it, scan it, and I'll send you the PDF. And the person I was doing it with is like, oh, uh, well, no one's ever uh, even asked if that's even possible. And I'm like, well, it's a hundred times more simple. And I sent it off to them and, and everything was fine and taken care of. So um, yeah, just good old, you know, it's just, you know, not everything needs to be over, you know, life doesn't need to be so easy in my opinion, like, or, or like the, this sort of attempt at making things easy, you know, just uh, sometimes pen and paper is better. Yeah. Well, especially with the, just the, the sheer app overload oh, that God. we probably all suffer from. By the way, do you use a fountain pen while you're making your calculations? Well, absolutely I do. <laughs> there you go. Yes, I Keeping do. the fountain pen alive. <laughs> uh, Skyler Someone Peters. has to. I, uh. Went back to Brandon for Easter weekend, and uh, one of the benefits of going back to Brandon for Easter weekend is I got to pull out my car that I drive around in the summertime. Uh, it's not as fancy as it sounds. Poitras is looking at me, shaking. I know, you got two cars. You got your summer car and your winter car. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I filled it up with gas, which is painful, but the sound of it, like I just, when you know, when everyone's driving EVs around or, or a lot more people are going to take public transit, I'm going to miss the sound of like a nice sounding car. You know, mm. a gas engine, and I was yeah. actually thinking about that on the way uh, home yesterday because you know, you know, speed up on the highway and it just sounds so good. I'm like, you know, maybe my next car is an EV, and then I won't get to hear all I'll hear is just tire noise or something. What kind of know? car is it? Uh, it's a secret. It's it's a long running bit with Jim Toth, and I'm gonna tell him that I pulled it out, and he's gonna try to guess. So I can't uh, I can't say can't disclose it this time. Maybe oh. I'll tell you off air though. Oh, that, yeah. I'm very very curious. <laughs> it's to tell Jim it's anything. not as nice as it sounds. I he's do so tell people nosy. what it is, and uh, they're like, "Wow!" <laughs> and uh, it's it's 21 years old this year, so it's oh, uh, oh it's a it's hanging a on, baby, still yeah. hanging on. It's a classic. Well, and this whole radio thing on CJOB.com again. The headline: How much longer will new vehicles come with AM, FM radios, mm-hmm. and it has oh, to do with the switch to electric vehicles. Exactly. And, and apparently there's way more to it. Like the, 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 the auto manufacturers are looking to get rid of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. They want their own propri- proprietary systems, and they, you're going to have to subscribe to this and subscribe to that. So it's actually kind of a potential potential for some real uh, tomfoolery in our automobiles in the next yeah. decade or so. Jeff Forte and Master Control, what about you? I'm saying cable TV, and I just, I can't live without it. I have a bunch of friends who come over, and they kind of make fun of me that I still have cable. And I'm like, why? Cable is awesome, because most of the time when I have my TV on, I'm actually not watching it. It's more background noise, or I'm napping. So I'll put on some trashy daytime TV when I get home in the afternoons, and usually I'm napping through it, so I'm not even watching it, or I'm cleaning (laughs) something, or I'm doing dishes. Mm -hmm. It's background noise. You know, if you have Netflix, it takes me, like, I swear sometimes it takes me half an hour just to choose what I want to watch. Yeah. Even though I'm not going to watch it because I'm going to nap. <laughs> so, like, what's the point? So that's why I like cable TV. You click it, you turn it on, you just tune to a channel, leave it there, nap away. It's been uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp for me 
ever since I started doing the mornings a couple weeks ago. Get home at about noon, throw on first take with the boys, sometimes uh, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> and uh, those are you know, when they're not yelling big, at each other. It <laughs> helps me go to sleep. Those are three big personalities there, Pistol. <laughs> what, uh, I mean, that's a football show, or is it just like all sports? Like general like, yeah, sports talk sports on ESPN, yeah. Okay. Well, and plus, too, the, the other, another benefit of cable television, of course, is the, the, the ability to turn something on live. Right, whether it's the yeah, news, sports, yeah, you know? especially sports, yeah. that's a big one. And I know that with sports, you can get all kinds of digital subscriptions. I know, uh, Skyler, you pulled your phone out a couple of weeks ago at the pub and you put on some golf tournaments. So I get yeah. that you have that ability, but, but that you was really live just too. yeah, but yeah. You know, that, that that on the internet, there's always a big delay. So yeah. You know, and I, the, but the, the point is, I know that you can access all of this stuff through these various digital s- subscriptions like the zone or whatever, but it's still nice to be able to just turn on your TV and mm-hmm. voila, there it is. Uh, so let us know at 204-780-6868, something that you just would hate to have taken away from you, whether it's an AM FM radio in your car, or perhaps it's a piece of technology or cable television or newspapers or something. Tell us a story for a chance to win those tickets for Krista Berg. In mid-March, the Manitoba government announced $12 million in funding for addictions treatment. The funding includes money for several new medical withdrawal management beds in rural Manitoba and as part of the government's promise to create 1,000 publicly funded treatment spaces. There will be four new beds added in Brandon, two new beds in Ashern, and one new bed with mobile support added for Portage Prairie. The need for these resources, Brett, are in the spotlight again as a Winnipeg mother whose daughter has been battling addiction for years is speaking out after they struggled to access treatment at a Winnipeg RAM clinic. Manitoba's provincial health organization markets them as easy to access walk-in clinics online, but this family says patients had to wait in a long line outside in the cold. Global's Rosanna Hempel has her story. Della George begins each day burning sage, a smudge prayer for an open heart, positivity and truth. It gives her comfort as her daughter tries to move past years of homelessness and opioid addiction. That really changed her. She became a person I didn't know. George says her eldest daughter suffered a neck injury from a car accident more than 15 years ago that required pain medication, which George suspects led to her daughter's long-term addiction. I didn't dream this would be the life that they would lead. After years of unsuccessful attempts to get her help, a close call at George's house two weeks ago changed everything. I kept on checking up on her to see if she was breathing. The next morning, George took her daughter and partner to this Winnipeg Ram Clinic, where they were told to stand outside. To George's disbelief, at least 10 patients were waiting in line in the cold with no guarantee they'd be seen that day. This lady in front of us, she said, sometimes they'll only pick uh, three, three clients and turn the rest away. And then I said, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. Why would they turn them away? Because this is maybe their only chance. George's daughter got in with the help of a local organization, but wants the province to provide more resources to make sure everyone gets treatment when they show up. Shared Health says it is working to expand access. A spokesperson tells Global News a new Indigenous-led RAM clinic, the seventh in the province, will open at Winnipeg's Aboriginal Health and Wellness Centre in late May 
with nearly $900,000 in funding the province announced earlier this year. It's good that they're planning it, but we needed it now, not like months later. With hopes others can begin their recovery now without facing barriers. Rosanna Hempel, Global News. So in uh, sharing uh, the, the lead up to this story, Brett, one of our listeners reached out uh, earlier this morning to say that my son was turned away from Ram Clinic twice. And fortunately, that individual, our listener's son, has uh, received the help that he needs and, and is on a course of, of recovery. But this really jumps out for me or jumped out for me from Della George, from that piece. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. Why would they turn them away? Because this is maybe their only chance. How many times have we had that discussion over the last several years, Brett, the idea when it comes to addiction, when it comes to mental health resources, that today is the day, that hour of that day might be the time that the, in an individual who's uh, dealing with uh, depression or dealing with addiction says, you know what, today's the day I'm strong enough to get help. And you go and you seek out the resources that you think are going to be there to help you. And you end up either in a line or in this case, several people uh, were turned away, plain and simple, uh, because the access uh, center doesn't have the resources required in order to give that uh, care necessary at that moment. We all have difficulty, I think, with something in our life from changing one day to day one whether it's something as simple as just going on a, trying to change your diet a little bit, or maybe I'm going to start exercising. I've been putting that off. Okay, today's day one. I'm going to get off my couch and go for a walk or go for a run or go to the gym or whatever. And when it's something as serious as an addiction, something that's got a hold of you beyond craving a bag of Doritos and to actually have the power, the strength, to seek help and then to not get it. That's, that's scary. We're asking you what's something in your life that you would hate to have taken away from you, a piece of technology or, you know, something a bit more old school, like a day planner. And uh, we have tickets to give away to see Krista Berg as a result of your text. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. But what do we got, Mackling? Robert says... I like this one because I I really like this piece of old age in quotation mark technologies. I'm thinking wristwatches. Most people look at their phone and Robert, I think you're right. And then you add in the wearables that people are, are gravitating towards right now. Yeah. An Apple watch is still a watch, but what like the old fashioned heavy duty, you know, wristwatch. Fewer people are wearing those these days. And, And I like to wear a wristwatch. I don't very often because I don't need to. Yeah, I don't. I, I miss having a wristwatch as well. And it's one of those things where I'll get one and I'll get it for use it for a couple of years and then it dies. And then I'll go many years without one and then I'll get another one. That's I'm glad Robert mentioned this because maybe that, that's a potential gift. My dad's always asking me when, you know, when Christmas rolls around, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. Well, last time I got a watch, it was a Christmas gift from my parents, like 15 years ago, I think. And uh, I think after replacing the battery like four or five times, I finally uh, gave up on it. Like, yeah, this thing wants to go. How old were you when you got your first wristwatch? And was it or was it not a Timex? <laughs> it was a Timex. I'm sure it was a Timex. 
I'm certain it was a Timex. I think it was a big deal. I think I got mine when I was nine or ten. I always wanted one of those those calculator watches. <laughs> Did they, they came in the set with the uh, clock pen. <laughs> really? I don't know. <laughs> Remember those pens with the clocks built in? No. Digital clock built in 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 into the uh, top part of the of the pen? No, I don't. Oh my gosh! They're they're often isn't a dramatic uh, difference in terms of uh, our generation, but I guess that's. That's something only 1970s kids had. Well, it's, it's, it's possible watch. I just need to, to jump my memory here. Uh, or pen with clock in it. With clock. Or pen clock, pen watch. Okay. Know. Okay, I'm going to look that up. But uh, Kristen also says, for her, uh, my technology is already leaving me the CD player in the car. My music isn't on the radio. I don't have the data to stream anything, and with 100,000 pictures of my dog, there is no room on my phone for a single song. I need that physical media. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, and that was that I, because I don't have my own laptop computer, and my PC has been broken for like five years. I keep meaning to bring it over to Rui from Nothing But Tech to try to retrieve the stuff that's on it. Sure. But uh, I was shocked to learn that the the physical disk drive, like to pop in a CD-ROM, gone. Gone. Gone, gone, gone. That was one of the, the great things about traveling with a laptop is you could throw a DVD in there and watch a movie, yeah. you know, on a larger screen. Way better than watching it on your phone. And then they took that away. I know now that you, you could download them onto your Netflix account or whatever. But if if your only laptop is your work laptop... He's probably not supposed to be doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it changes. It and it changes quite quickly, doesn't it? Manitoba was able, thankfully, to dig itself out relatively easily after that spring snowstorm hit last week. But our neighbors to the south, Greg, were not quite as lucky. That's right. On the other side of the Canada-U.S. border, the North Dakota was hammered with a consistent a blanket of snow with some areas seeing up to 28 centimeters, almost a, a foot of snow. That amount of precipitation has potential to impact Manitoba when it melts and flood watchers are paying close attention Global News Morning reporter Clay Young is out and about in his rubber boots this morning. Good morning, Clayman. Yes, good morning. I was listening uh, intently to your talk about, you know, possibly getting rid of car radios. What's that about? But every, <laughs> never mind that. Yeah, I, I, I'm in my flood gear right now. Uh, Mr. Mackling pointed that out this morning. I got rubber boots on. I've discarded the, uh, the big uh, winter parka. And hopefully I'll never see it again for several months to come. Uh, but we're out here uh, right next to the Red River by the Forks. And we are expecting uh, the province to put out a new flood forecast sometime this week. Uh, the last forecast they put out was in late March. And uh, let me just find it under uh, this, uh, all this tons of paper here. Uh, so they issued it, and they stated there was a low to moderate risk of significant spring flooding in most of the province. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of concern about uh, what's happening south of the border. The U.S. National Weather Service said even before last week's storm, the chance of a flood on the Red River on the American side was moderate 
to major. And another thing we've been checking out, uh, I was just uh, cruising around the streets. I see city crews are cleaning a lot of the snow and the ice off the uh, sewer drains. So we're, we're getting ready. And, and you, you got to ask yourself, did we learn anything from last spring, last April? You know, when we got hit with the Colorado low after the Colorado low caused significant basement flooding, caused all the roads in Winnipeg, a majority of them be wrecked with all the potholes. So have we learned anything from that? And coming up on Global News Morning, we'll be talking to some flood experts uh, to get their thoughts about what could be coming. Could. We'll have to wait and see. Now, Clay, you're in your rubber boots this morning. Uh, so where, like, what are... What parts of the city are you touring that would require you to wear said footwear? Well, uh, they won't let me on the ice. I can guarantee you that. But uh, the guests have decided we're going to check out things at the Red. I did drive by the floodway yesterday, and there's a lot of open water there. But again, you know, we don't know what is coming. I know there's some rain in the forecast for later in the week. Uh, I think it's sort of a, a wait and see don't you yeah of course it's wait and see that's what they always tell us right uh, it's all going to be dependent on the the speed of the melt and the temperatures uh that we'll see and how quickly the the ground uh you know thaws and and allows that moisture to sink in as opposed to running off into the creeks and streams and eventually into the river one concern i have uh clay and th- this is just from my from my phone here uh, but Fargo, we might have a, a little bit of rain in the forecast, but uh, Fargo is expecting uh, some rain Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 30 to 60 percent chance of, of rain uh, on those days, depending on the day. But I, I think that what we see south of the border may be more important or as important as, as what we're going to see in, in this part of the Red River Valley. Well, you're absolutely right. We always look to the south. Because whatever is happening south, you know, the Grand Forks, Fargo area, it eventually makes its way uh, down downstream and right into Manitoba. And then you, you start checking with the people in Emerson and all those sort of uh, places. Global News Morning reporter Clay Young joining us live on 680 CG. Uh, by the way, sorry, I was just, Rudy and I were just totally caught unawares. We're, I'm sitting here talking to you and somebody in the Forks, has all of a sudden just cranked up some music. They got some speakers, and they're just cranking. And I was going, "What? what's that? Okay, maybe they're welcoming us here. I don't know. <laughs> Clay Young, you're a wild man. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. We appreciate the insight. You bet. And we'll keep an eye on Clay's coverage this morning on Global News Morning, but uh, that's uh, scary stuff that you mentioned about what's happening in North Dakota. And just, you know, the the next couple of weeks uh, will be uh, tenuous, I'm sure, looking at the forecast and and subject to wild fluctuations. Like just this morning, uh, around 3.30, I was looking at the two-week forecast for Winnipeg for on the Weather Network app because they have their 14-day outlook. And, of course, that's going to change a thousand times. Sure. But... As of this morning, for the it goes as far as April 24th. So for the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, it was just rain, 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 rain. Like up to, I think, 40 millimeters of rain over the course of those four days. And when I checked again at 5 a.m., completely different. 
20% chance, 30% chance, 30% chance, 30% chance. So completely different story. So looking at the, the extended forecast as of now for Winnipeg, not bad. But based on what you mentioned about what's coming to potentially to North Dakota, I'm sure we'll see, hopefully, not a change for the worse here. Yeah, exactly. And that would be, uh, you know, that that's just going to, that's just a part of the equation, I guess, is where I'm trying to get. As much as we're looking forward to, I know I am, 16 degrees on Wednesday, that has its downfall as well. And that's just life in this part of the world. We just, uh, for every good thing that comes out of, it feels like any situation, there's there's something that we have to be worried about on the flip side. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, we, we, we spoke last week while you're off about the, the snow clearing and whether, you know, what... Did the city handle it properly? Should they have sent the plows out sooner? And then the question came up, well, if you waited until 7, why not wait until 9? And others were saying, like, why bother sending them at all? The snow is going to melt. And and they, because they got out and cleared it away, those the streets were you know clean and largely dry. And the sidewalks, I'd be curious to know, like how bad the sidewalks would be right now if they hadn't cleared them away because oh, they're the a mess. Yeah, the sidewalks were, were still a mess from previous snowfalls and then the, of course the melting yeah. and then that creates ice and uh, it's been an unusual winter from that standpoint. I hardly ever get ice accumulation in front of uh, my house on my street, but it was really, really bad over the weekend. And part of the culprit is, uh, has been the fact that they, they didn't clean the streets in the fall. And so there were all sorts of seeds left over, I think, oh. from sort of the late season with the trees. And so there were still seeds on on the ground. I can now they're <laughs> revealing themselves as the snow melts. I'm going to have all sorts of raking to do. But uh, a lot of those uh, storm basins were, were plugged up w- with seeds from trees and leaves that didn't get cleaned up in the fall. So... That's just like any sort of maintenance. If you're not right on top of it, what happens afterward is anybody's guest. You, you know, it's the whole uh, cascading ramifications <laughs> of inaction, Brett McGarry. Oh, and by the way, while you were out and about, whether when you were working outside or just out this weekend, did you happen to notice, because I sure did when I went for a walk on uh, Saturday, the, the, the spring stink, the smell that starts to reveal itself? A little bit, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It was it was a weird. It was this double edged sword because I thought, well, that smell is means that it's warming up, but it's not. And I'm not. I don't mean the dog poop smell. No, I know the smell you mean. Just like you know, spring sort of revealing itself. It's like, well, that's nice and warm, and I know what that smell means, but I don't really like it. It Smells like dirt and mud and yeah. Life in Winnipeg is just you know. so many compare and contrast. There's no such thing as even, average, level-headed. It's just one or the other. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Right now we want to talk about the fate of the site, which once featured a statue of a monarch, maybe becoming clear. Canada Day 2021 will take you back during a demonstration over the deaths of Indigenous children at residential schools. The Queen Victoria statue, which once stood on the north side grounds of the Manitoba legislature, was tied with ropes and hauled 
to the ground. Canadian press reporter Steve Lambert is here to tell us what the fate of that site may be. Steve, thank you for taking some time with us today. Good morning. Oh, good morning. You're welcome. So can you, before we get into what uh, what may be happening there, can you remind our listeners what ultimately happened back on July 1st, 2021? Yeah, it was during that demonstration that you mentioned that that ropes were tied to the statue of Queen Victoria. That was the large statue that was the very prominent one at the main entrance to the legislature grounds on the front lawn. Uh, it was hauled to the ground. The uh, the head was uh, torn off. Uh, it ended up in the Assiniboine River uh, in back of the legislature. And um, uh, the government deemed that that statue was, was beyond repair. So that's uh, they're not going to repair it. They're not going to replicate it. The replication would cost about a half million dollars. And uh, they they took down the pedestal in the fall, and they've been thinking about what might go up in its place. And there's no final decision, but the new minister responsible for the grounds, uh, Government Services Minister James Teitzma, says that um, personally he's leaning towards leaving the grounds, as, uh, that part of the grounds, uh, as an open area and to not give prominence to any one individual or symbol at that very prominent location uh, at the main entrance, um, while setting up other statues uh, across the grounds. As as most of your listeners would know, there are statues throughout the legislature grounds, many people from all different backgrounds. Um, But he, uh, James Teisman, was saying maybe it might be best just to leave it as an open area for the public to gather. Have there been any arrests made in connection to that incident back in 2021? No, no. Uh, I mean, it, it would, it would, I think a lot of people are expecting arrests, given that there are security cameras all over that that part of the legislature grounds. It's a high uh, high security area in terms of surveillance. Police investigated. Police uh, forwarded a report uh, to the Crown Attorney's Office, and ultimately uh, the Crown Attorneys uh, decided not to lay charges. So, and we were never, uh, as is often the case, uh, we're never given a full explanation as to what the evidence was and why the decision was made not to lay charges. Uh, forgive me for interrupting you there, Steve. So who is ultimately going to, to make this decision? Obviously, uh, the minister has expressed his view on this, but, but who will make the decision? What is the process and, and when do we expect to hear sort of a formal announcement as to what might happen or by the sounds of things may not happen there? I, you know, I don't know if there's any firm timeline. Uh, the the um, minister said, well, you know, it's it's being resotted. It's going to be uh, the open stretch of grass this summer, and we'll we'll see how it goes. So it, it's the minister responsible who would make the decision, but uh, I think ultimately would be the premier and cabinet uh, in conjunction with the minister that would make the decision. Again, I don't see a, a firm timeline. There's no deadline to uh, to make a decision one way or the other. I think it'll just be resotted this year where that pedestal was and it'll be open grass and then maybe it maybe it stays that way until a different decision is made uh, in the future if ever steve refresh my memory there's a there was a statue on the east side of the legislative grounds as well was that statue taken down in that protest yeah it was toppled it was a statue of queen elizabeth ii that was toppled uh it suffered less damage it has been repaired and uh the government says that statue will be going up. Again, no firm deadlines, but at some point in the not-too-distant future, that, that statue will go up where it was located, near near Government House, on the east lawn of the legislature, near the uh, 
near the left-hand governor's residence. Well, it may be not a surprise that no, you know, <laughs> the decision to move one way or the other happening in an election here. I'll make that my comment. Uh, I, I don't necessarily want to make it yours, Steve. We appreciate you, your insight and, and your ear to the ground at all things happening at the Manitoba Legislature as always. We appreciate you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Steve Lambert joining us live, Canadian press reporter, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Yeah, when I heard that there was uh, a protest happening on that day, I just sort of wandered over and, and had a look. And very strange, I think, is the, the, the first word that jumps to mind, is to see that statue come down. And when I went to it, and that's, I, I couldn't remember. I remember going to the east side, and there were a handful of protesters over there, and I, some of them were, were spitting on the statue, and I later, and now, and now I'm remembering. I later, eventually, once the you know the smoke had cleared, so to speak, and the statue was gone, I remember somebody left a bouquet of flowers where the Queen Elizabeth's statue once stood. So I just needed Steve to jog my memory there. I couldn't remember what was the fate of that statue on the east side. One of our listeners, uh, Kat, uh, very passionate uh, about this statue, the fate of the ultimate fate of the statue and, and, the, and the reasons uh, why it's important to her. And I, I can only imagine there are lots of folks who have uh, opinions on both sides of this discussion as to whether or not uh, that statue, A, should be replaced. It sounds as though, as Steve just told us, that it won't be. We must talk sports. It was quite the weekend for sports. I am, normally I would feel guilty about being so unproductive for a three day stretch, but I did nothing this weekend outside of watching movies and the Masters. And it was a glorious weekend. Who could blame you for that? Huge game for the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Uh, by the way, if you're going to the game, it starts at 6 o'clock. That's for national television purposes. That means our pregame coverage gets underway at 4 o'clock. Our next guest will be part of that coverage, I assume. Host of the CGOB Sports Show, Christian O'Mell, joins us now. Christian, you'll be you'll be on the pregame. And postgame or just pregame tonight? No, both. That's, that, that's what I do. I'm on both. And hey, by the way, Brett, by the don't way, feel guilty about being unproductive because for me, that is a very productive weekend. Consuming content, that is the that is the name of the game, my man. Well, and for you, it's homework. For me, it was just recreation. But for you, it's homework. I mean, you host a movie show, so if you've watched a movie, that's not bad, right? I suppose. Jurassic World Dominion, a belated review. I never did get around to watching that, so it's available on Crave. So I'll have my thoughts on that on the couch potatoes this week. There's the plug. And also, Christian, Hi! Hi! <laughs> San Jose Sharks uh, coming to down the, uh, to town uh, tonight. They're here already. Uh, prehistoric creatures themselves. Uh, one of four points earned from the Sharks last month by the Winnipeg Jets. The, uh, they're in a battle for last place in the league. So w- what's the deal with the San Jose Sharks and the Winnipeg Jets' inability to beat them, Christian? What, what, what's the solve here? Well, I think the big thing, Greg, is that it's just the Jets have been so inconsistent over the last few months that it works out to be the game that they just can't finish a couple times, right? Where they outplay the Sharks in the game that they lose at home in overtime, but they just can't buy a goal, and then they lose. And the the game in San Jose, same situation where 
I, I feel like they played less good in the second game in San Jose. I, I know that they like their internal numbers, and and you can argue that they for sure probably could have won that game, but it happened in that game the way it happened in so many games where they have early chances, they can't finish, and then one of the first chances the other team has goes in your net. What we saw Saturday night for the Winnipeg Jets was – Another game where the Jets struggled to finish, right? They had two goals, and they should have had six or seven. So that's a little concerning for the Jets. But they were able to keep it out of their own net. In that first period, Nashville didn't get a lot. In the second period, it was one of those dominant periods we've seen the Jets play all season. I think the shots were 20-5 to in favor of Winnipeg, and Connor Hellebuck was really good in that game, and they didn't really give up much for, for Nashville. So the Saul of Greg is play like that again, right? If they can bottle that up and, and play the way they did in that second period. It's a big if, because if you, you look at every team and be like, oh, wow, they played really good for 20 minutes. They played that way forever. Then we'd be amazing. But the best teams can do that for more often than not, like Boston getting their 63rd win. But for the Jets, they got to look at that Saturday game as a template. They hit, what, four posts, but they were the dominant team that night. They no have question. to be able to, to get an early goal, and they really just have to be able to play strong defensively. They can't have any obvious defensive lapses that end up in the back of their net. Well, they're in the top half dozen teams or so in terms of home ice wins. So this team does play well at home and has, for the most part, played well at home. They've won three of their last four games now, looking to make it four out of five on this on this last homestand of of the year. Nikolai Ehlers, uh, there's, no, there's no hiding the fact that I think he's the, the Jets' best player he was definitely that on saturday night wasn't he christian well he's named the first star for sure and i thought he was incredibly electric right when nikolai ehlers is on his game we're seeing him flying over the ice we're making he's making great passes and he had two shots just drill the poster crossbar right he was buzzing for sure saturday night and then towards the end of the game the same thing that happens happens where he's not out on the ice to protect a close lead, which confounds a lot of observers because they want to get a different guy in on the face-off. And it's like, okay, well, that's that's part of the play. But if the, if a guy loses the face-off and is a lesser player out there for 45 seconds, then I don't under, fully understand the strategy. I think the Jets maybe care a little too much about those late face-offs, but at the same time, I understand that that's important to the team. You just have... Wheeler out there over Ehlers because Wheeler can take face-offs if you know Stenland or Lowry gets thrown out. But I I think he should probably play late game situations a bit more. Nonetheless, he he did have a, an excellent game, and the the reality is Nikolai Ehlers has been the team's best point producer at five on five per minutes played for a few years now, and we're seeing him play some of the best hockey he's played. So if he could continue at that level, then this team has for sure. Uh, two really good lines that can score. Now, Christian, the way that the schedule has shaken out over the last week or so has been pretty wild heading into the home stretch. We had the Jets take on Calgary, then then Nashville, the two teams they're fighting with for that last playoff spot, and now we've got Calgary versus Nashville tonight. So what are the implications there? The implications there are if Nashville beats Calgary in regulation, it's pretty much over. And I think the playoff odds for both would be about 2% or something like that. The, the, the Flames lose tonight in regulation. They're cooked because then the best they can, they can do if Winnipeg wins tonight is match them. and Or not even match them, right? The, the Jets are one up tonight. Calgary's only got two left. So if Calgary loses tonight in regulation, they're done. Um, so Winnipeg's open for that. Winnipeg's open for a Nashville win 
and then a Winnipeg win, and all of a sudden, really, the Jets just need to have Nashville not win out, and Winnipeg can't lose out. And they both have Minnesota and Colorado remaining. So those are two teams that are better than both Winnipeg and Nashville. There's no arguing that. The Jets are in a good spot, and if they beat San Jose tonight, they're just about in. So, goodness, don't lose to San Jose for the third time. Fair point, fair point. Let's switch from hockey to the Masters. And we had so many wild storylines over the weekend, whether it was the weather, whether it was Tiger Woods battling injury, whether it was the Live guys versus the PGA guys, and uh, just a topsy-turvy weekend. What's your, I don't know, what's your takeaway from this weekend's events in Augusta? Well, I had to watch too much golf yesterday. Uh, it started early, and I had to watch over. Uh, or, well, I basically had to watch around in two thirds yesterday, and it's a lot of Brooks Kepka and John Rahm on my screen. Uh, and I got to say, it's kind of ironic that Brooks Kepka was good for about fifty-four holes, and then in the last round, he stunk because he's a live guy, and his final round was. He, he fell off the map, right? He's been a guy who's one of the best major players in golf the last six years. And really, since the, the day resumed from the the rainout Saturday, I think he had two birdies, and he went six over par. So John Rom's been one of the best golfers in the world for the last couple of years, and he looked like it out there. He, he was a guy who had a great opening round, survived the really crappy weather that they had for a while, and then he was just better than Kepka, and he had a cushion there where he was able to get out ahead. I cannot believe Phil Mickelson finished eight under par. That is absolutely wild. And one of the most incredible things for him is that a few years ago, before this live stuff, him having a back nine Sunday charge like that would have lit the place ablaze. But a lot of people didn't care anymore because Phil's kind of done himself in and his reputation for what he's done and said over the last year and a half. And uh, he makes that birdie on, on 18 and Half the gallery kind of half-heartedly cheered. It was not the roar you would have expected. For Tiger, making the cut was incredible. It took some luck because someone had to... Justin Thomas had to bogey the last couple of holes for Butch to get there, and he did. But his body's clearly not good. And when it's cold and rainy and you're in pain and you've got a, a metal leg, that's not a great feeling for Tiger Woods. So in the end, one of the best golfers in the world wins it. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain too much, but... I'm glad to not have to watch golf today because I watched too much yesterday. <laughs> okay, really quick before we let you run here. Uh, Ottawa hosted the World Men's Curling Championship over the last uh, 10 days. Uh, Brad Gushu was extraordinary in the in the preliminary rounds. Uh, fall short, uh, do we say again, in his quest for, uh, I guess, a second world championship? I mean, I guess you can say again because he didn't win. But the reality was he was amazing up until that final. The semifinal against Switzerland, his team was phenomenal. They steamrolled Sweden in the uh, quarterfinals to get there. And let's face it, Scotland was an inch away, or maybe even a half inch away from losing to Italy in the semifinal. And Canada would have had an easier time with Italy. But, you know, Brad misses a draw, and they're down 4 nothing after 3. And the game's over at that point yesterday, unfortunately. But the crowd was amazing. His post-match interview with Cassie Gauthier, when he's crying about the support from the crowd was just amazing and anyone can you know 
lose a game. That doesn't mean he's a, a failure because he's made but two straight silver medals at the world stage, one bronze last year at the Olympics. He's won four Briars now in the last six years. He's got an Olympic gold medal. He's one of the best curlers in Canadian history and maybe even the history of men's curling across the planet. But good for Scotland as well because Bruce Mowat's been a great young team up and coming for a while. But I don't think this is the last we've heard of Brad Guju. Yeah, lots to lots to talk about in the world of curling, but we'll let you run on that, uh, Christian. Nice to see so many different countries as well uh, getting in on the curling action. Nice to see Italy in the mix. Uh, you know, obviously Switzerland and Sweden have been powerhouses for a long time, but uh, now to see uh, Italy and some other countries on the on the curling map, so to speak, is is kind of cool. Thanks uh, as always, Christian. Look forward to hearing you tonight on the pre and the post game show. You know, I'm always sleeping on the post-game show, so I had to ask if that was your gig or not. I, I really didn't know. Yeah, that's what that's my, my day job is. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> Christian O'Mell is the host of the CJOB Sports Show, which airs weeknights, 6.30 to 9. Busy sports weekend, so lots of people talking about sports today with the Jets and the Masters, and you were curious, Greg, about something that happened on 18 yesterday when John Rahm and Brooks Kepka, the final pairing, were coming up. So I believe Rahm teed off first, yep. had honors, as they say, hit his ball, sprayed it way left, mm-hmm. and then Kepka took his tee shot, tremendous tee shot, and then... Rom hit what's called a provisional ball, right? You hit a provisional ball when you think maybe you might have hit the ball out of bounds or it might be unfindable. So he hit a provisional ball, correct? Yep. Which mimicked Kepka's shot quite nicely. It was a really nice shot, his provisional shot. Now, I didn't see what ended up happening to his first shot. And I had assumed, like everybody I was watching with, that the ball had been lost and we were extremely confused as to why Rom wasn't hitting his fourth shot from the fairway. Well, you're telling me they managed to find his ball. And it was right out dead center. It was weird what happened because I saw, I watched that live and I saw his tee shot go left towards the trees. I didn't see where it ended up and I ended up having to go back to rewatch it because I did eventually hear they had uh the uh, one of their announcers was named Dottie, I think that was her name. Dottie Pepler, I think it is. Yeah, and she said he's not going to need to hit his provisional, or he's he's going to be able to pick up his provisional because I can see his ball. It's in the second cut. So when I went back to rewatch it, I saw some people just as they cut back to the main play. There were some people sort of standing under the trees. They were pointing back out into the fairway. So then I backed it up again and watched it and his ball, he, and he did sail it into the trees. It kicked off a tree and then it just bounced right back into the middle. It wasn't in the fairway. It was in the second cut as they call it at the masters, because you're not allowed to call it the rough there for some. (laughs) There's a lot of things you're not allowed to do there. Snooty reason. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so he just, he hit it. It it He got a lucky bounce. 
A member's bounce, as they call it, right, Member's Brett? bounce, yeah. <laughs> so uh, not that it would have necessarily made a whole bunch of difference. Uh, it just would have made things a little bit tighter. And in terms of, I guess, Phil Mickelson was the clubhouse leader, as they call it, and was sitting and waiting to see what eventually would become of uh, Rom's round. But, yeah, that that was that confused me. Mm-hmm. I was watching uh, with my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and uh, the whole family, and we just kind of missed that. And we were reluctant to to rewind it. I guess we should have done that just to to find out exactly what happened. So I, I thought the announcers should have made a little bit of a bigger deal about that. Yeah, they did. They they they, they did kind of gloss over it, and I just sort of had to put the pieces together. But he is lucky that he found it because who knows what would have. Happened. Let's say that ball did sail into the trees. Like Brooks Kepka hit a ball. It, it it was actually one of those one of us one of us moments because he hit one of his tee shots like clean into the next fairway. So it was nice to see that even the pros do that sometimes. Isn't that what we love about golf, though, Brett? Those that watch it and those that play it, uh, those that do both, is is the fact that we know we'll never, ever play like a professional. But every once in a while, you do hit a shot like they do. Typically not off the tee, but off away from the tee, you can hit a long putt. You can have a nice chip. You can have a nice play out of the sand, just like the pros. But it's also so heartening when you see them struggling. I think I think that I think we like that more when the players are struggling because you go, ah, oh, just like me. Yep, just like me. Yep, it makes it a little bit easier not to beat yourself up so much <laughs> when you go. Even the best at the in the, the business struggle sometimes with this stupid game that we love. Another stupid game that we love is. Hockey and Ugh. when I look, when I saw what time puck drop was on Saturday with the Winnipeg Jets taking on Nashville, I kind of wondered, and I left you alone, but I kind of wondered how's Greg doing today. Were you nervous when you got up Saturday thinking about that game? Immensely nervous. I, I was lucky enough to attend the game Wednesday night against Calgary, and of course that was a huge loss. Thank you to Richard Cluche. Got to spend some time with Rich. Uh, man, those are good seats. By the way, Cluche, you can invite me anytime. Um, That was obviously incredibly disappointing. I was glad that I didn't have to be here on Thursday to talk about it because I I was having a hard time putting my feelings into words. But Saturday, I purposefully kept myself extremely busy because I did not want to think about that game Saturday night and the implications of a loss were were obvious. And I just didn't want to put my mind, take myself there. I, I stood I watched the game at home on TV. I stood for probably half the game. I just, at home? Yes, I just could not <laughs> sit down. I, I turned my back on the game a couple different times. I just couldn't look at the screen based on what was going on. You see Soros, the goaltender for Nashville, was incredible. His goal posts were great. And you just there were a couple different times there where you just kind of sensed, oh, boy, if Nashville gets one here, that, you know, that that that, that could be the turning point. But the, the Jets were so good. On Saturday night, in particular, that second period, Christian called it probably their best second period of the entire season. But all it would have taken is one goal by Nashville. And you could tell that as excited and loud as the crowd was on Saturday, there was a little bit of trepidation there. Definitely still some prove it to me in Winnipeg Jets fans right now. And no more so than for tonight's game as you face the second last place in the National Hockey League in a must win situation. Nobody is penciling this game in for the Jets tonight at all.
In light of the headline, how much longer will new vehicles come with AM FM radios, which we're going to discuss more at 935 with musicologist Alan Cross, who wrote that article at globalnews.ca. We're asking you about the things that you just would not want to have taken away from your life. Don't take my day planner. Don't take my phone. Don't take my 4K TV. Don't take my uh, Sony Walkman, which still works, whatever. Uh, but Daryl, uh, one of our runners up here for the Krista Berg tickets, I just wanted to mention this considering the timing and Daryl with a great point uh, in the light of just coming through the Easter weekend, says Daryl, one thing I do not want to see gone from our society is the way of faith as humankind supposedly evolves to be the be all and end all. We need to continue to recognize that we are not. So Daryl, uh, I personally am not a man of faith, but for those who are like we spoke earlier with our friend Raymond about Ramadan and you pointed out that Ramadan collided with both Lent and Passover. So lots of people around the world recognizing something deeply personal to them. And uh, that's so for all those billions of people, you know, we just wanted to say, yeah. Absolutely. 204-780-6868. If you want to expand upon Daryl's thoughts there, one of our listeners who has not yet shared their name with us says the DVD. I like to have a physical copy of my favorite movie. And Brett, I suspect you're probably in the same boat. Yes, I am. If I really like a movie, I got to have a physical copy of it. And up next, I need to get the John Wick movie. So once chapter four is available on uh, 4K, I will probably go out and pick that up. Because what if you want to watch a movie on your streamer, but your internet goes down? Good point. Because it's happened. Where Sometimes the internet just conks out. So I'm in the middle of watching avengers infinity war for the 90th time and then suddenly i'll get the error message on from disney saying there seems to be a problem with your connection please reboot your modem etc etc it's nice to be independent yeah of the internet of all that connectivity and be able uh, just like am radio you know how often way it feels like way more often now than ever before now that cable is all digital and is distributed in your house through these wireless are these uh, uh, cable boxes, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the tabletop uh, boxes. I find I got I have more problems now than I've ever had in terms of uh, making sure that I'm getting my uh, Jets games and stuff on TV. It's great just to be able to turn on the radio and there's Paul and Jamie, no problem. Norin though is our winner. Norin wins the tickets for Krista Berg at the Centennial Concert Hall on Saturday, April 29th, saying, "I know this is not on many people's radar." But the acoustic piano. Mm. I've been a private music, piano, and voice teacher for close to 20 years, says Norin, and have seen the shift of families purchasing electronic pianos. Early in my career, all of my families would have an acoustic piano. Now maybe two out of 16 families have one. I understand the move to electric. It's cheaper, easier to move, takes less space, cheaper to maintain, etc. But as a musician, it will never replace the lovely sound of an acoustic piano. The touch, the dynamics the soul of the music that the musician can convey with it. There are also too many buttons, gadgets, etc., on an electric piano (laughs) that are distracting, that kids think make music, quote-unquote. Have a good day. And yes, I do teach this evening, says Naren. Hopefully on a real piano, Naren. That's awesome. Yeah, I can can tell you from experience, at least with my kids, uh, the acoustic guitar... I know Alexander's teacher preferred him practicing on his acoustic before he got into electric guitar. And then, uh, yeah, we don't have a piano in our house, so Brendan had to practice on an electronic keyboard. What so, about a guitar? No guitars. <laughs> no guitars in our house. <laughs> what about the acoustic drums, or like the actual drums versus the electronic, Jeff? There's a huge difference there, right, in terms of the reverberation and the bounce back and everything? 
Acoustic all the way. Exactly. All the way. Not a boy. How's that electronic keyboard you have, Forte? It's collecting dust. <laughs> Greg, what we've been talking about all morning, the headline at CJOB.com. How much longer will new vehicles come with AM, FM radios? It's an article we were both reading at the same time, just as I was going to say, hey, Greg, <laughs> uh, you said, yeah, there's this article that we should be uh, maybe talking about. Well, the article written by our next guest, he's the founder of the ongoing history of new music. He's the voice of that podcast, of that program that you can hear on our sister station, Power 97. He's a musicologist and a Manitoban, one of our very favorite guests on the start. Alan Cross joins us now. Alan, good morning. Thanks for this. Oh, you're, you're welcome. I, I thought I'd better get the warning up uh, because things could be changing. Yeah, no kidding. So will AM, FM radio soon be extinct in vehicles? We know, or at least I'd been reading in the last couple of weeks, Tesla in particular has said that it, AM radio is par- problematic in their vehicles. So is, are we pointing at EVs for this change, Alan? Not necessarily, but sort of. Um, the reason a lot of AM stations, uh, a lot of cars, EVs, electric vehicles, are not including AM radios is because of the electromagnetic interference caused by the motors in the car. Uh, it's, it's not insurmountable, but a lot of manufacturers don't want to be burdened with trying to save AM radio in the car. So Volvo, um, Tesla, Chevy... Uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning, they're, they're all getting rid of AM radio in their, in their vehicles. As for FM, most, radios, most radio station, uh, cars still carry that uh, in the dashboard. The problem is that it, once we go to electric vehicles, dealerships are going to be making less money because it's not selling the cars that makes you all your cash. It's repairing them. It's maintaining them. And electric vehicles don't have, you know, internal combustion engines, no oil changes, no spark plugs, uh, no water pumps, no oil pumps, no transmissions, uh, and what else? Uh, uh, Cooling systems and exhaust systems and so on. EVs will not have these maintenance worries. So they're going to have to figure out a way to replace the revenue that they're going to lose when it comes to service. And one of the things that we're starting to see is these cars, new cars, which are essentially computers on wheels, uh, are having various um, uh, options, let's call them, as subscriptions. Now, for example, if you have a Tesla, you know that Tesla is always pushing software updates that can change the capabilities of the car. You can also, for example, in a BMW, uh, get a subscription for heated seats. It doesn't come as an uh, a, a all-in option. You have to subscribe to heated seats. Sure, uh, Ford is coming up with a way that if you don't pay your car payments on time, it will shut off your air conditioning. And there is, we've always, we've had satellite radio since the late 1990s. People have become accustomed to paying for that in their car. And satellite radio companies pay to have space in the infotainment systems. So if we go further down the road here, you can see how it might be feasible that like satellite radio, 
terrestrial radio will have to be purchased as a piece of software that will live in your dashboard rather than it being there from the beginning. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And it's certainly, I mean, obviously, as radio employees, <laughs> we're kind of concerned with this. I mean, when I was reading that uh, article this morning, it, it felt darn near apocalyptic to me. So is the... Is this essentially going to kill AM and FM radios in cars, or is there is there anything that the industry or even consumers can do to push back? Well, listen, you know, AM and FM, the programming that's on AM and FM is not going to disappear. What will change over the next 10, 15, 20 years is the delivery system. We're moving already into 5G. We'll move into 6G. These cars will become more and more connected, and rather than having a tower with a transmitter, we will probably end up broadcasting our audio through uh, the internet, 5G and 6G and beyond. So we're not going away. We're just going to be, it'll be different in the way we provide our, our, our content. Now, the big deal is with the automobile manufacturers. What are they going to uh, demand or wh- how are they going to change their dashboards that will affect us in, in ugly ways? Uh, there are lobbying efforts to make sure that radio stays in the car as a, as a standard feature. Um, and I have a feeling they will be largely successful. However, I would not rule out the possibility of there being uh, a need to buy a piece of software from the automobile manufacturer that will then be installed as a subscription on your dashboard. The website at journalofmusicalthings.com the curator, the host of the ongoing history of uh, music, uh, Alan Cross, joins us now. And Alan, uh, you know, when we look at the reliability of digital technology, I was commenting to Brett earlier that I don't know if my cable service uh, has has failed me more often in the last three years than it has in the last twenty. I know that in the in the uh, in the world uh, of cell phones, uh, there was trepidation by some when digital first came in. They the proved they a lot of people that I know uh, like the analog service much better. So what, that idea that maybe your di- digital subscription uh, isn't accessible or as accessible as the traditional AM FM signals. Talk about that. Yeah, this is exactly what the radio industry lobbyists are are going after. They're saying that, look, at this is an essential service. Radio is an essential service. You need it for, for not only news and weather and traffic, but you need it in terms of, you know, for emergencies. What's happening you know, down the street? What's, what, what do you need to know? There is no better way to, uh, to um, distribute music and information and news than the radio. Radio is, let's be very honest here, radio is very powerful, very popular, uh, very profitable. Um, 80 some percent of all Canadians listen to radio every single week. We're not going away at all. Um, but our favorite place to listen to the radio has been in the car for a number of years now. And we have to protect that area, that domain, that environment, so that we can continue to give the news and music and information uh, to our audiences. And I understand, Alan, that the, that the, the car manufacturers not only potentially taking aim at at, the, at least the radio delivery system, but they're also aiming at both Apple CarPlay and Android Auto? Yeah, that's another one, too. So 
Uh, it used to be, if you go back about 10, 10 years ago, you'll know that every single automobile manufacturer had its own software in the dashboard, and all of them worked terribly, with the exception of maybe the Chrysler Uconnect. That was fairly decent. But everybody looked to their own proprietary hardware and software in their dashboard to set them apart from their competition. Consumers got really, really tired of this software not working well in their dashboard. So when Apple came up with CarPlay and Android, Google came up with Android Auto, which were opportunities to have your phone interface with your infotainment system in your dashboard, we flocked to it. I, I mean, the last car I had had a proprietary system, and it was terrible. And I would not go back to that particular manufacturer because they didn't offer Apple CarPlay. My new car does. And I absolutely love it for, you know, everything that my phone can offer, my car now offers. Um, however, General Motors has struck a deal with Google. And what they want to do is take back control of the dashboard from Apple and create a proprietary system using Google technology like Maps and whatever else Google can offer. So in the upcoming GM cars, there will be no Apple CarPlay. It will only be GM's. Uh, uh, GM's system wrapped around a, a series of Google software packages, and we'll have to make do with that. So we'll see if all these other companies want to um, get into the business, well, go back to the idea of proprietary software. Apple, however, is in probably next year is going to release a huge upgrade to CarPlay, which will basically take over the entire dashboard. I've seen mock-ups of it, and it looks really, really cool. However, when you do that, you're ceding control away from the manufacturer. You know, somebody like Ford or, or Stellantis or any of the other manufacturers will see that a very important part of the driving experience has been outsourced to Apple, and they do not want to have that happen. Yeah, I can't imagine being without my Apple CarPlay. It is an essential uh, part of the driving experience now. Alan, we have to let you run there, run now, but uh, we really appreciate you, you simplifying this conversation for us because it's not an easy one. Uh, as a human beings, we embrace change at a, at a different pace from one another, and this is, this is a big change and going to be a big change for a lot of folks if it comes to fruition. It will be slow but steady. Alan Cross, thank you very much. He is the host of the ongoing history of new music, and you can read more of all the stuff that, as Greg points out, that he curates at a journalofmusicalthings.com. 9.46 with Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. Yeah, my car, how old is my car now? 12 years, I think. Like, I don't even have a touchscreen in mine. Mm. I just have a, a menu with, like, I have a knob and... Which I'm totally fine with. I, I was reluctant. They they offered to up to upgrade me into a, or move me into a newer car that had a touch screen and it wasn't. It was this was it predated the Apple stuff. So it was as he was pointing out their own proprietary software and I hated it. Hated yep. it. And the touch screen wasn't super responsive. I found it distracting. So for me, the next time I get when I finally do get a new automobile, it's going to be a Huge. I'm going to have to sit in the, in, the, in the lot for three hours reading the manual. Well, you're a kind of a GM guy, at least uh, you are right now. So the fact that they're working with Google slash Android, I guess that might be a good thing in terms of them keeping you as a customer. It won't attract me as a customer. Yeah. That'll be problematic. And one of my our vehicles interacts with Apple Play. One does not. And the one that doesn't, you would think would. 
Um, it's the more expensive of the two vehicles, and their proprietary system is garbage. <laughs> Terrible. 